This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment and there's also a glossing detangler, which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. Tonight, only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Does anyone here know the lyrics? Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight only on Disney Plus. Welcome to Tuesday's episode. I am talking with someone that I consider my friend now because we podcasted. That's how it works. You podcast with people and they become your best friend. I was actually supposed to see her in person and record in person in New York, or maybe I'm making that up in my head because we had a trip planned to New York. My husband and I were going to go and I was going to do some recordings. And she was one of the people that I was thinking about recording with in person. I don't know if I actually verbalized that to her, but that's that was my thought process. We ended up having to cancel our trip because Muffin passed away. I am planning on going to New York in the fall, hopefully. My husband's probably hearing me record this, be like, what the fuck? You're going to New York now? Anywho, so many of you guys probably follow her on TikTok or on Instagram. I discovered her on TikTok. We became social media friends. And then I discovered that she's actually Canadian. She's from Vancouver, but has lived in New York for a long time. Actually, I'm looking at her website right now, based in NYC for over 17 years. And that is why her handle on social media is momcomnyc. So momcom as in mom comedy. She is a stand-up comedian and her name is Alice Chan. And I honestly, guys, I want to be a stand-up comedian, but it's honestly the scariest thing I can think of beyond. I would swim with sharks. I would do all the things. But for some reason, I want to do it. I feel like it's basically podcasting, but on stage, if that makes sense. And I'm sure there's so much more to it. Oh God, I should do a boot camp, a stand-up comedy boot camp with Alice and we should film it and I can make it a vlog. I think stand-up comics just make it look easy and so casual. And I'm sure it's so much more than that. Anyways, I'm trying to get Alice to Toronto to do a show in Toronto because she does shows all over the place. If you don't already follow her on social media, make sure that you do that. She is at momcomnyc. And without further ado, please welcome my new friend, Alice Chan, to the Mom Room Podcast. All right, so welcome, Alice, to the Mom Room Podcast. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Renee. Of course. So before I pressed record, Alice was like, I need to hear about Harry Styles. So what do you need to know? Everything. I want to know how it even happened. Like, how 
did your grandma even get up on stage to give him that? And when I saw that, I didn't know it was your grandma. And I saw that and I was like brought to tears and I told everybody about it. I was like, I don't know who this woman was, obviously some actor and someone who's very important. But when she gave it to him and the way he hugged her, just, I was sobbing. And then I found out it was your grandma. I know. How did this all come about? Like, it was the cutest thing in the world. It couldn't have went better. Like, it was just, like, out of a movie. So I went home for Christmas, and during, like, a family regular gathering, she was explaining to everybody why Harry Styles was the absolute best entertainer. Like, he's so humble. He's the the nicest person. And I thought it was funny. And I was sitting next to her. So I secretly filmed her talking about Harry for like 10 minutes. It was like a 10-minute video. And then I cut it up and put it on TikTok. And obviously, it blew up. And then a producer from the Grammys happens to be Harry Styles. Okay, the executive producer of the Grammys happens to be Harry Styles' best friend. His name is Ben Winston. And so now I became friends with some of the Grammys producers that we were working with. But she told me that, like, he walked into a meeting one day and he was like, somebody find this woman (laughs) with her TikTok. Oh, my gosh, gosh, Renee. (laughs) I know. It's so, like, this is the power of TikTok. I can't. I can't. I love this. This has to be in a movie. This has I know, to be like a documentary. How this is great. We need a part two. I mean, I know. I know the part two was you actually then. So she was invited then to to the Grammys with you. Every single artist that was nominated for album of the year had a super fan attend the Grammys for them. And so we went to LA the week before the Grammys and we happened to be going to a Harry Styles concert there. And then they filmed a bunch of stuff for the Grammys with all the super fans. And then at the Grammys, they played clips of each little super fan explaining why their artist needed to win album of the year. And Harry, because like the super fans were sitting just in behind, like, where all the celebrities were sitting on the floor of the Grammys, like, right there. Harry Styles was the only one who even acknowledged their super fan, which is shocking. Like, that blew my mind. He went up to my mamere twice before she even presented him with the award. Doing what? Just saying hi? Well, he recognized her because he walked past her when they were sitting down. So he, like, went up to her, like, gave her a kiss on the cheek and was like, oh, thank you so much. Like, and then she was waiting in line to use the bathroom and she had given one of the producers a greeting card and she, like, wrote stuff in the card for Harry and she asked one of the producers to get it to Harry And I guess they did because he came up to her when she was waiting in line for the bathroom and was like, thank you so much for your beautiful card. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Can I like love him even more? I know. I was never like a big Harry, like he was just someone that had fun songs on TikTok. I never really thought twice about him. And then now I'm like, okay, he is so awesome. He's amazing. And I I mean, I don't know if he can even blow up more. I feel like he should be way bigger than Taylor Swift at this point, right? And this story is so, 
that is crazy. I mean, I feel like there should be a t-shirt of your Mamere and Harry. Like a real cool rock and roll kind of t-shirt. I think, she, yeah, she needs to make her own merch. So then after the Grammys happened, we started like a Harry Styles fan page on Instagram and it's almost at 50,000 followers. Oh my gosh, how cute. What is it called? It's called Leader of the Harrys. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Can she make t-shirts and merch? Yeah. That is so insane. Like, Yeah, it's the cutest. Okay, I want to ask you about you, enough about Harry, even though... He is my grandpa, and I love talking about him. I was excited to talk to you today because, obviously, I've been following you online for a long time. So impressed, like, seeing everything that you have been doing. It's super inspiring. But I don't actually know a lot about you, like, where you're from, how old your kids are. So maybe you could give us a little bit of background before we start chatting about other stuff. Yeah, I'm originally from Canada, Vancouver, BC. So opposite coast from you. I know you're Toronto. And I grew up there. I was born in California, but as a baby. And I moved to Vancouver, Canada. So I, I consider myself as mostly Canadian. And then I moved to New York trying to pursue, I don't know, graphic design in that field. I studied economics, but did not like that. So I always was like, okay, fine arts. I got to do something with art. And so like, in New York, working for an ad agency, and then was dabbling into improv, stand-up comedy. And then I didn't really take my comedy seriously until becoming a mother, which is kind of odd because a lot of my material was pretty much the same as any single person living in New York. Small apartments, talking about rodents, talking about dating. And that turned into more like talk let's talk about motherhood make fun of how hard it is and just like the funny struggles that we all go through and that became kind of like my niche and then I stumbled on Instagram after my second kid because I felt like it was a good way to work out my material and then it just you know start meeting all the Instagram moms who are the most supportive community as you know and that's how my numbers got up it was just mom saying it's I'm going to share it. And after the pandemic was over, we were doing Zoom shows. After that was over, I started having more of a fan base that would come to my shows because they wanted to, I guess, hear what I would say on stage, which is very different from what I post online. How old are your kids? Oh, yeah, I did answer that. Six and nine, two boys. Six and nine. Okay, so what was your life in comedy and stand-up before kids to after? Because I feel like comedy is a, you know, it's often in the evenings, which can be a struggle to even leave the house. So I'm assuming it was a lot easier to like go do shows before you had kids. And so now how do you balance all of that? So before kids, it was, I did my nine to five corporate job. Then I would hit like a couple bars, very divey underground usually sometimes there are only like one or two people in the room and it was like the back room of a restaurant and it could be and usually mostly guys like the industry is already very male dominated but in open mics any random person can show up pay five bucks and be on the stage for three to five minutes is it not terrifying 
it's terrifying to be on stage already, but then to be in a room in the back room with only three dudes that really know each other and they're all very broy, and you're up on stage like, hey, I'm from Canada. You know, it's it can get very intimidating and it could really turn you off too because you're not getting the response that you're trying to get when you're doing stand-up. So what changed was as soon as I got pregnant and I start showing my jokes didn't really land because I was doing it to like 20, 30-something single males. And they were like scoffing at jokes like about being pregnant. It wasn't like, you know, about dating life. Because it's not relatable to them. Totally not relatable. Not talking about dicks, you know. And so I kind of got a little turned off. And my husband was also like, hey, you're like six, seven months pregnant. I don't want you going down to these divey bars after work. Can you just come home? <laughs> so... When I was like pretty heavy, like seven, eight months, I was like, okay, I, I, I can't do this anymore. So first baby was born for three and a half years. I just devoted my life to baby, like baby in yoga class, baby sing-along class, you know the deal, like trying to be the perfect mom, just everything about him. And I dabbled in other creative fields like photography and started doing some freelance design, graphic design, but it didn't fill my cup until my second baby was born. And he was probably like a few months old and we were living in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. And it's a very cool neighborhood, has a really good nightlife. And just across the street was a comedy show going on. And I said to my husband, I'm like, hey, I'm I'm just going to go by myself. It's like, a 20-second walk. I'll be back after the show. I walked in. It was an all-women's show. And I got all these feelings resurfaced. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think I know what's missing. I need to do comedy again. So I talked to the producer. I was so nervous. And I was like, hey, I'm Alice. I, I also do comedy. I love comedy. And she's like, great, I'll put you on. And I'm like, what? Like, does she not know that I've been out of the circuit for like four years? But she didn't care. She's like, okay, I'll put you on next month. I got on. I bombed completely. No one wanted me on their shows. Like, I would write to producers. I would get ghosted. Nobody wanted this Asian female who has two kids, who what has mom material. Like, no one wanted to hear that. So then I was like, oh, I'm just going to produce my own show. I'll do it the way I want. I'm going to do, like, a morning comedy show. I'll book the comics. And I I made a show called BYOB Comedy in Brooklyn. It, was, it stands for Bring Your Own Baby. And so this was for moms, new moms who want adult time, who wanted to go see a comedy show but couldn't stay out till, you know, past 8 p.m. So they would bring their newborns, babies, or toddlers, and they would sit there while their babies were crawling on sanitized mats and playing with toys And they would enjoy like a 45-minute comedy show. And they were pro comics from, you know, comics from Jimmy Fallon, David Letterman, HBO, Comedy Central. And after 45 minutes, the babies were tired and ready for a nap. And the moms were, you know, fed them cookies. So they were like happy. And they had their adult time. And they had like a community. They start forming friendships, which was the best part. I saw people would hang out after the show and not leave because they were just talking to each other. And it was a safe space to like nurse your baby in front of, you know, stand-up comedian telling a joke or bring your baby on stage. I had one mom who was a comic. Her baby was crying. It was a newborn. And she gave it to one of the moms who was sitting in the audience. And she just fed the baby with a bottle while she was doing her thing. So the comedian was doing her stand-up, gave the baby to some random mom 
<laughs> and it just all worked. It just felt like, you know, I'm, I'm not doing this for the money. I'm doing it for, for the moms who felt, who feel isolated and needing adult time and, and just not needing to worry about getting a babysitter for 45 minutes. So that started and that just kind of word of mouth got it going for two years until the pandemic hit. And then it stopped and we, we started doing just Zoom shows. But obviously it's not as fun when you're doing a Zoom show. Your baby's still there and you still have, you know, it's not really the same setup. And then after that, I just started to produce shows more direct to my niche. So it was more for like women, women empowerment and empowering mothers or date night, you know, like giving a reason for moms to be like, hey, I'm going to dress up. I'm going to go out with my girls, make it a girl's night or bring my friends or bring my husband or partner or spouse. And so that's what I'm focusing on now, too. During the pandemic in quarantine, is that when you started on TikTok? That's when I started on Instagram. You're on TikTok, though. I am, but I started TikTok late. I wasn't like, I was just like, I'm not doing TikTok. I don't know what that is. And I didn't think it was going to be around at all. I thought it was just like a new app. And everybody's like, no, you got to go on TikTok. I, but I was like a loyal Instagram person. And then I just started dabbling in TikTok, I think, a year after the pandemic. Do you create your content, like you film it outside of the apps, or do you create it in the app? Yeah, I create it on a third-party app. So I just do like a any app, like video shop. So I film it, then I edit it on third-party. And then I use either CapCut, depending what... I, if I use TikTok, I'll use TikTok captions. If I use Instagram, I'll do Instagram captions. But yeah. That way it's, you could then use it on any platform. When the pandemic ended, is that when you decided, because now you're doing shows all over the place and you're traveling and when did that start? That only started recently, like this year. Wow. And so how has that been, like traveling and stuff? The the traveling part is more manageable. I I started doing it in like last fall was my first trip. And I was really worried. I was like, oh my gosh, I had all my friends like, okay, can you walk my kid to school? Can you pick up my kid? Can you do a play date? And then I canceled all the after school activities. I asked my husband, can you beg your mom to help? Just so I felt okay to leave for three, four days. That was it. And they managed. I came back. I was like, oh, it wasn't that bad. You know, they were having fast food every night and pizza, but they did it. And then I did it again this January. This time I went to just one city. I just went to Vancouver and my family's there. So it was an easy seven day trip. And my husband was like, hey, I don't even need my mom. I'm like, really? Okay. I just let him handle it. And I came back. Everyone was alive. And then in March, I did it again for like the alt summit. And then I did it again for two weeks this time, which was harder. The two weeks was hard because I had to go through different cities and an international trip. So that was hard on me also because I'm getting older and I really missed my kids this time. Hmm. This time I actually missed my kids. Two weeks is long. (laughs) It's long. I came back for like a 20, 20 hour blip, came back 20 hours and then like try to spend as much quality time with my kids and then left for Boston. And then the Boston Comedy Festival is different. I didn't know I was going to stay for four days. So I told my family, hey, it depends if I advance. I probably won't advance. I'm coming back tomorrow. I'm just going to go for one night. And then it just 
I advanced to the semifinals and then the finals, which made it hard for me because I didn't know when I was going to come back and it was already stretching it. So this trip particularly was harder on me. How do these shows get booked? Like, is it you that's doing all the logistics of like booking flights and hotels? Like, it just seems like it would be a lot on top of your already full-time job. Yeah, yeah. The the shows I did were already booked. So the producers kind of just came up to me, either DM'd me, usually DMs me on Instagram, finds my email and say, hey, can you do this date? Can you headline here? And when I get a solid booking like that, I will then accommodate and do trips around that date. And the Phoenix one was more of a summit. It was the mom conference. So I knew I was going to go there. The Tacoma was like, well, it's along the way. And then once I know where I'm going to be, I start, it's a, it's kind of like a 50-50 thing. So if I know I have a book show, I'll start calling clubs around that area since I'm already there and try to maximize that opportunity. Be like, hey, I'm already going to be in Tacoma. Can I come in and do a set like at one of at this club and some will get back to me and some will be like yeah sure and then I'll put that on my roster and yeah so it's 50 50 I'll book a lot I book all the the flights the hotels all the logistics yeah This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. You guys know I have been very intentional with what we've been eating lately. I'm looking at protein, I'm looking at sugar content, and avoiding things like artificial ingredients or colorings. Milo used to always want pancakes or waffles in the mornings, and now he is getting into cereal, and I'm so excited because Magic Spoon is the perfect option. Their variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. They have zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four to five grams of carbs per serving. They're made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and I'm just so happy that he's getting a good amount of protein before he goes off to school. And it's a great snack for me and my husband too, because 13 to 14 grams of protein in the cereal, now you add a high protein milk, you're set. That is such a high protein snack or meal. I should also mention that it is gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So go to magicspoon.com slash momroom to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code momroom at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. So try a delicious bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash momroom and use the code momroom to save $5. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. It is 2024. As busy parents, it's hard to completely overhaul our lives, but what we can do is make small changes that will make our lives easier. And that is where Little Spoon comes in. Their goal is to make keeping your kid healthy feel like the easiest part of your day so that you can cut through all the drama of mealtime. Little Spoon offers baby blends, biteables, and plates. So baby blends is fresh, organic baby food. They have single ingredients, but also multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. 
Biteables make the transition to finger foods easy because they are cut perfectly to size, which promotes self-feeding. And of course, all the Biteables are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. And then there are plates for your toddlers and your bigger kids. They are meals that are free of all the bad stuff. They taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. They have things like hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous things like pot stickers, gnocchi, and more. Little Spoon also has smoothies and build-it-yourself lunches. Did I mention it all comes right to your door? It is super flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. You can pick up the menu and change up what you order every single time. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You and your kids will love it. It's a huge win-win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. Doing stand-up comedy, it's obviously you're up on stage, you're performing. When you're having a super bad day and it's like, oh, I have this booked, like for me... I record with people. I can easily reschedule something. It's not a big deal. But when you have people that have bought tickets, it's like a a show that has been booked for a long time and you're just having like a shit day. Is it easy for you to turn that off and just like morph into Alice, the comedian? You know, I love that question because usually I can't get out of my head. If I have a bad day, I'm like, I can't talk to this person. I'm, I'm like bitchy to my husband. I'm crabby to my kids. I don't even want to call my mom. And this happened. I was having like a very stressful day. My husband was out of town. I had a babysitter and I had a show planned at 7 p.m. And I was talking to a friend. I was like, you know, it's so stressful when I plan shows when my husband isn't around because I have to rely on a babysitter. And she's like, yeah, but you booked a babysitter, right? I'm like, yeah, but you know, babysitters can cancel on you anytime. And she's like, yeah, I know that, but why are you worried about that? Lo and behold, an hour later, she texts me. She's like, I was about to leave for the train. And I was all dressed, and she texts me. She's like, hey, my parents have COVID. I can't come today. I was like, wait, your parents have COVID though, right? I'm like, can you test and just put a mask on? At that point, I was like, I don't care. Just put a mask on. Just, I need you. And so it threw me off. I started, and this is what you don't want to do. You don't want to panic and start calling all your friends, asking if they have a babysitter that is available in the next hour. And so that already put me in such a stressful mode that I was like so upset and I got so resentful about my husband not being in in town. She was negative. She tested herself, but she wore a mask. She came in. I was like, at that point, I was like, I don't care if you have the mask on or not. I'm leaving. I got to the show and my friend noticed I was like shaking. She's like, are you okay? You seem really tense. I was like, yeah, I'm trying to shake off what just happened. And I'm just really stressed out right now. And I was like, I don't think I can do it. Like, I don't know how I'm going to be on stage. And it was the best set I've had. And part of that set got me into the Boston Comedy Festival. Oh, so interesting. In a lot of the time, it's something you have to submit a five to six minute video. And I have been rejected by the Boston Comedy Festival. So I was like, ah, I'm going to be rejected again. But it's fun. I'll, I'll just send it in. And that, to me, proves that, you know, I'm a totally different person on stage. I can shut off 
at the Alice, but I love being on stage and I love the feedback I get from the audience. And usually if you have a really good audience, you have a really good show. So some of your content could be really, really good. But if you have a shit audience, you're going to feel crappy and you're going to feel like you bombed. And some of my material, you know, when I look at it, I'm like, it wasn't even that funny, but the audience was laughing. And that makes a great show because there's like a feedback and there's that connection that you're building. Do you find, because even just as someone that creates content, people are always like, you want to be niche. You want to niche down, niche, niche, niche. And I cannot, like I've tried, I can't do it because if I want to fucking post about Harry Styles one day, like I want to post about that. It has nothing to do with being a mom, you know, like I've tried to go down the path of only doing mom stuff. I can't do it. It's just not, I just can't. Do you find it difficult? Like is all your material niche to parenting and motherhood or is it all over the place? I'm with you, Renee. I don't think you should niche down. I think you should be your own niche. Like, like you just, uh, yeah. Yeah. And like people who love you will want to know all parts of your life. You're not just doing mom stuff. And people want to hear about, like I asked you, I've been waiting to ask you about Harry Styles. Like, how did you do it? How did you, how did you and my mare do it? Like, <laughs> I want to know about my mare. And I feel like that's so old. I feel like be your own niche. That makes you stand out. That makes you unique. People want to know all dimensions of you. And you're not, you're not always just doing mom stuff. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I, I do stuff like, you know, I have a guinea pig. I'll talk about my guinea pig. I have like awkward adulting social situations that I would like to film. And I feel like that's a funny part of me. I talk about my sisters. And I talk about my parents. I like to be a little more vulnerable and talk more about like my background and my family. But totally agree with you. Do you find it difficult to talk about friends or your husband or your parents? Because as someone that like, I published two podcast episodes a week for the last three years now, so I will talk about my mom or like little things that happened, especially my husband. And I look up to people who have a platform where they're just like so open and honest about so many things. And I would love to be that. But I know like my mom listens to the podcast, like my mayor listens to the podcast. You know, like, do you ever struggle with talking about certain things? Do you ask people's permission first? No, I never ask for permission. Okay, good. (laughs) I just talk about like what feels safe. I Mm -hmm. I mean, I I know what I shouldn't talk about, about my parents, like their habits. But I'll talk about my husband. He doesn't even follow me on Instagram. And I touch on my in-laws, but sometimes I'm like, are they following me? I don't know. But I'm like you, I don't, I'm not completely like open book, but there are certain things I'll talk, but there is a limit because yeah, like, you know, in some way I'm still kind of like, I'm a people pleaser and I don't want to upset people. And I'm like, I don't want it to be awkward at Thanksgiving. The thing that I find is I can talk about a situation that happened, let's say with my husband, and I understand that he's well-intentioned, I'm well-intentioned, like there's no like long-term issue, it was just like this random situation that happened, but then it's how other people read into it and respond that makes me like 
my poor husband like gets attacked <laughs> in the comments. And I'm like, people are projecting their own shit and their own relationship onto my poor husband. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I, I see that too, Renee, like when you talk openly about like, hey, like there was something I really related to. I'm going to the store. What do you need? And I was like, that just happened. And then I'm like, I need, I need. And I'm like, Alice, come on, scan, scan the room, scan upstairs, scan all the bathrooms. And I totally relate. And then I read some of your comments. I'm like, girlfriend, like just. Yeah. Calm down. It's not that deep. Yeah, it's, 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 talk to your husband or a partner or whatever. You have something else going on. Yeah, something is happening. So do you have any advice for moms who, because I was reading on your website how, like, I know your comedy picked up after you had kids, but for a while it was difficult to, like you said, you were doing other things, but it wasn't filling your cup. So, and I feel like that happens so often in motherhood. We have all these hobbies and passions and a life before having kids. And then so much of that just goes to the wayside because we're so focused on our kids and we feel like there's no time or we can't put ourselves first or fill our own cup. So do you have advice for moms who might be in that situation? I always say like, what are things that you did that you really enjoyed before having kids? And like, try and make time for those things. How did you manage that? And was it difficult for you to put yourself first and be like, hey, I'm leaving for the evening or for four days? I feel like anytime you physically leave the house, it's hard on you because we're we're just filled with mom guilt. As soon as we wake up, we're like, what am I doing? Did I wake up too late? Oh, what do I feed the kids? And you're already thinking about the family and caring about them. So I think physically removing yourself from the home is the first thing. And I don't care if it's an hour walk just to start because I know it's harder on some people. And then maybe make it like a night out, you know, maybe go out with a friend or maybe do a weekend getaway with a really good friend of yours or I don't know. Call up an Instagram mom and be like, hey, want to do this? Chances are she'll say yes. I'm lucky I have two sisters, so they're always encouraging me to do, like, Alice, you got to take care of yourself. And they will they convinced me to go to Bali with them one year. And I'm like, I, I can't do that. I have Thanksgiving, and I have my two kids. Like, that's, that's, that's just, no. I'm like, let's just do something local. And they're like, this is a chance of a lifetime. And I had to like really, in my head, I'm like, Alice, this is a chance of a lifetime. Like, when am I ever going to go to Bali with my two sisters? We're all healthy. And I was like, okay, just let's just pick a good time. You know, at least I knew which time to go. I'm like, my husband's going to be off for four days. That works. He's going to be with his family, like my in-laws. He's going to get support. So that made it easier for me. So figure out how to make it easier on yourself. And maybe sometimes it doesn't work at all, right? And But you you just have to physically remove yourself. Knowing uh, I'm lucky because I have a partner that can be at home. And some people, you know, single moms, it's harder, right? Like, how can you just leave your kids? So that is a hard thing to do, to physically not be there. But I feel like you, you have to do that for your sanity. Like, even if it means, okay, scrounging up some money and getting a babysitter, just so you have one night away, or just like an evening out with friends, 
relationships, bonding, and connection with other people who are going through the same thing as you, or not necessarily, but just having connection, I think, not to feel so isolated. I feel like I lucked out because when Milo was a baby, I had to go to Ottawa for two or three days because I had to defend my dissertation. Like it was a non-negotiable, like I had to go. So he was home with my husband and everything was fine. And that was, it just kind of like set it in motion for me to feel comfortable leaving. So now like I've gone to LA for 10 days and people are always like, oh, like, is somebody there with your husband? I'm like, no, he... He adjusts his schedule so he can take Milo to school and pick him up, and he won't be on call for those days. Is it hard? Yeah, but, I mean, he goes away, and I do it. And it does. It fills your cup. And I think until people start to slowly, like, until you do it and see how it affects you and acknowledge how nice it is for your kids to see you living a life and having passions and hobbies, like how special is that? And even I was going to say, like before having Milo, I would read a lot. And I feel like that just kind of went out the window. And now I make it a point to before bed, go upstairs, take an hour to myself and just read before I go to bed. So even little things like that, it's like instead of scrolling my phone and getting zero value or relaxation out of it because your mind is still going a million miles an hour when you're scrolling your phone, I like shut off everything and just read a book. And it's so rewarding to me. And I had to sit and think like, Renee, how do you want to spend your evenings, you know? And make like a conscious effort and decide like this is what I'm going to do. And now it's just like a part of my routine and I have to do it. But little things like that, like what fills your cup? Like, are you going to do a half hour little yoga video or go for walks? Like you said, like start small and then build up. But yeah, I think it's so important for moms to have a life outside of the house. Yes. And you touch on that point where when you come home after the LA trip, I'm sure your husband and Milo were happy to see you, but they also saw like, whoa, mom is like, there's there's this, this energy about mom and I want to hear about it. And I see how excited she is. I think it helps helps them too, to see their mom like going after her passions and also knowing that, hey, dad's got it under control. Like yes. they see dad doing the thing, they see mom doing the thing, it changes the narrative. And I feel like when this generation of kids grow up, they're going to have a more healthier mindset in terms of like what parent means to them, what parenting is about. It's not like I'm the go-to parent, not at all. If anything, it might even be my husband because my my son is very drawn to like, like he loves my dad. He loves like my father-in-law. Like he's drawn to do like manly things and follow them around. But like, because I have left for X number of days at a time, my son, it's it's not like I'm the person that he goes to for everything because he knows that we are equal if he's upset, he can go to either one of us. If he wants a snack, he can go to either one of us. It's not like I talk a lot about default parent things, but I don't consider myself a default parent. And I think that's 
part of it. Like, he sees that we're both so able to meet all of his needs, which is so nice. Yeah, and that's how it should be. It's teamwork. It's um, not like our previous generations. It should be all hands on deck. Like, whoever can do it, do it. And kids need to see that. A few weeks ago, my friend was putting on this Mother's Day show in Toronto, and she DMs me, and she's like, hey, do you want to do a five-minute stand-up comedy thing at this show? Like, when I tell you my anxiety, like, just reading that DM made me, like, (laughs) shit my pants. (laughs) I was like, Renee, you don't have to agree to it. Like, you could say no, but I was still, like, dying. (laughs) Because, okay, so fair enough, I've had public speaking anxiety like my whole life. Being on stage and doing a comedy bit is 10 times worse than just going up there and speaking. I died. I I ended up not agreeing to it because it was just, I was leaving for London soon and I was like, I can't put this stress on myself. What is your advice for people who want to get into stand-up comedy? Like, where do you even start? Because after she asked me that, my friend was like, oh my God, you could totally fucking do that. Like, that would be amazing. And now I'm like, fuck, should I be a comedian? (laughs) You would be amazing on stage. Oh my God, thanks. Yeah, and this is the the thing that you have to get over. There is a lot of anxiety buildup because people think, oh my God, everyone's staring at me and I don't know if I'm going to forget what I'm going to say. We all have that. I... Every show, I'm like, I got to pee like five times before I go on stage. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, I don't know. You know, I'm nervous. And the nerves is because, you know, you want to do good. I, a lot of actually a few moms and some of the Instagram moms you might know were, you know, they would say, oh, I've always wanted to do stand-up comedy. And it was one mom, I won't put her name out there, but she's pretty big now. And I'm like, come do my show. And she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, drive to Brooklyn. And I'll put you on my BYOB comedy show. And she did. I was like, work on your material. Let's have a call if you want. And we can go over your stuff. And she's like, okay, I think I'm fine. I'm like, okay, you've got three minutes. And she did it. And this is a thing like where when I'm producing the show, and if a mom comes up to me, or just like any woman who's like always wanted to try it, but usually it's moms, who funny moms. And I know they can do it. But they are like, oh, I don't know if I should do it. I'm like, you know what? No one else is going to put you on their platform. A 25 single dude isn't going to put you on their, their, at their club. But I will because it is so hard to get stage time. And there are so many funny moms. You guys have so much content. And I put her on and I put another mom on and they killed. Like they did amazing. And I'm like, you can do it. Like if you want to do it, it means that you're going to kill already. The, just the notion of you wanting to do it. And Renee, you you've have done public speaking and you're funny as hell. So I could totally picture you do it. Oh my God. You do your thing. <laughs> A funny story for three, four minutes. I feel like you need to do it. And then when you get the feedback from the audience, that's when you make a decision like, I can keep doing this. Or you're like, done it, bucket list, moving on to the next thing. It can go either way. 
Like, the goal with the podcast is to eventually do, like, we'll probably do a live event in Toronto later this year. But then I would love to tour, like, let's say five major cities and do a live podcast thing. So that'll be kind of dipping my toe into stage stuff. It's so different when you're just at home, like, performing for your phone, you know? I could totally see you do that because you have such a large fan base and you could totally set it up as your own show, right? We were talking about niching down. It doesn't have to be the typical comedy stand-up show. It could be you. You're already funny. You don't have to do like a 10-minute skit. You're interviewing people. You're talking. You're telling your own stories. That's your show. A game show. We'll play games. Yeah. You could pull out moms. You can make it interactive. You could dance. You could sing. You could do whatever you want. It's your show. Are there any comedians that you look up to that you love right now? Amy Schumer, obviously, especially after she turned into mom. Jim Gaffigan, he's a dad, five kids, I think, at this point. But I, I love the way that he can just talk about a hamburger for 40 minutes, and it's hilarious. And it's things that you would have never thought of. Jerry Seinfeld, of course, classic. I, I, Ali Wong. Have you seen all these people live? I have. Yeah, wow, so cool. I haven't seen Amy Schumer live. I've just been following her along. I've seen Ali Wong live before her divorce. Jim Gaffigan a couple times. Norm MacDonald, so, so clever. Rest in peace. And Kevin Nealon, I saw him live. He was SNL's cast member, but super funny. And these guys can talk about just the most mundane things for 40 minutes. And that's just clever as shit. My husband and I had a trip to New York planned... In March, we had to cancel it, but eventually I would love to go back, I guess, when it's not so hot, maybe in the fall. What are the comedy clubs, the famous ones in New York? Gotta go to Comedy Cellar. Comedy, comedy Cellar, Cellar is the club. Get your tickets online, because if you don't, you have to you end up lining up, and it could be like pretty, pretty long of a lineup, and then you might not even get in. So Comedy Cellar, you're, you're always going to see pro comics, like big hitters. They're not going to put average comics up. And The Stand is also a good one. The Stand. Those are the top two ones. But if you're going to go to New York and you're going to hit one club, it's Comedy Cellar. It's iconic. When I was in LA, my so we happened to be staying at a hotel that was across the street from the Comedy Store. And so my sister-in-law and I were like, okay, let's just buy tickets. It was like $20 a ticket. We're like, sure. We just like cross over the road, go to our little comedy club. And it was like cute. It was small. It wasn't very big. So we're sitting there and a couple people go on and then they introduce Aziz Ansari and he comes on, does like a whole thing. And then he introduces Chris Rock. What? fucking Chris Rock comes out, walks right past me to get up to the stage. I was shitting myself. And we happened to be there. This was the Friday night before the Oscars. So the Oscars happened on Sunday. So he was like practicing all his material for his tour that he was about to start. So he was on stage with like papers and like putting on his glasses to like read jokes. Like he was up there forever. It was incredible. And then I landed back in Toronto on Sunday night, open Instagram, and it's like Chris Rock was slapped by Will Smith. I was like, I just saw him. That is crazy. So you saw his him working out his material. Because then he went on tour. 
Yes. And yeah, it's funny that I never watched the Oscars and that was the only time I watched it. And when that was happening, I was like, wait, is this really happening? And I was like, I saw it firsthand. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, that was crazy. I can't believe it. Yeah. So Comedy Store is amazing. LA is Comedy Store, Laugh Factory. You was the best. show. For 20 oh my bucks. god, 20 freaking bucks. And you know the funny thing is, Aziz was like, are there any interracial couples in the audience? And my sister-in-law was pointing at me because my husband's Indian. And so he talked to me for like 10 minutes because he thought it was so funny that my husband's name was Profession. He was like, what's your husband's name? And I'm like, Profession. He's like, Jesus Christ, I've never... He's like, I'm so Indian and I've never heard such an Indian name in my life. <laughs> and then he was like, this can go one of two ways. Your son either has the most Indian name out there or it's the whitest name out there. And he's like, what's your son's name? I was like, Milo. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it was the best and then he was like what does your husband do I was like he's a urologist like a penis doctor basically he had so much material just from talking to me it was so funny uh lucky for him you were in the audience I know right sometimes you can get a crappy audience member and that 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 crowd work just eh, fails but do you talk to the audience a lot I love doing that Yeah, I do. I integrate it with my material. Like some people are just like, hey, I'm doing my material and that's it. And and some of the crowd love it. And I know, I remember a friend telling me, saying, I hate when comics do crowd work. I love it. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't like it though? It's like, it could go either way. Like the comic could totally bomb, which people love to see, or it could embarrass the shit out of the the audience member, which also people love to see. Do you follow Matt Reif? I I just started following him because when I was Tacoma, there was a big billboard that saying Matt Reif coming to Tacoma. I was like, who is this guy? And so I started following him. Oh my God, his TikToks are so funny, but he talks to the audience almost the entire show. Like it's hilarious, but you have to be so quick, you know, to, to be able to respond. It's, a risk. it's like, do you want to open the can of worms? Because it could go either way, depending how drunk that person is, or even if the audience member, like sometimes they don't want to talk to you. They sit in the front, they don't, don't want to talk to you. You're like the perfect audience member. Like Aziz really lucked out. I'm sure <laughs> the quad was rolling. You're welcome, Aziz. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I, I like I put them on the map. What was I going to say? Do you have any future plans? Like I know right now on your website, it says there's no events coming up. But what are you working on now? Plans to do more shows? Planning to do more traveling to like cities like DC, going back to Boston. I loved Boston. I was planning to go to Florida, but now I'm not so gung home about it <laughs> obviously LA love the energy in LA like everyone's just so happy and they love you no matter what you say so that's a nice kind of like I want to feel good LA and then I'm going to Vancouver to do another show so I'm producing more so that I could do more of like a headlining show and then I'm doing a couple in New York before I take off to the west coast this summer that's crazy. So when you say producing, do you mean like putting a show together with other yeah, comics? And so what do you do? Like rent a venue or do you pitch a comedy club to to put the show on? 
you pitch a comedy club or if you want to find a non-comedy club to to rent, you could do that. And then you start talking to comics that you want to bring on your show. And I do all the marketing. I like to control everything. So even even down to the ticket pricing. So I'm like, I even know like people like, ding, someone just bought two tickets. Like I want to know everything. I'm like that. What's the capacity of the venues that you perform at? It ranges. So the Boston Comedy Festival, when we were at the, it was like a theater. So that held like about 1,200 people. But I like clubs because you can actually talk to the audience and like it could be 100 to 120, but a nice size is between 50 to 100 at a nice intimate vibe and the whole room is kind of like it's kind of like being in the living room with a whole bunch of friends that's a feeling I'm like so interested in logistics just because I I want to do shows and so I'm like thinking about like capacity and although my network would be taking care of all the logistics of it but I'm still like like how does it work you know like you travel somewhere like oh my god it just seems like like crazy, but good for you. That's I feel like for your show, you could scope out a nice theater that can house like maybe hundred to five hundred or even like a thousand, right? Like and give you enough time to market it. I mean there's I mean Cat and Nat, they do that. Oh there's all these Meredith from that's inappropriate. She's doing her own show now. I don't even know who that is. Meredith Masony that's inappropriate. That's her her profile name or yeah. oh cool. Yeah. That's inappropriate. She and it's not typical stand up. It's her own stuff. So she's talking about funny stories. So she tours. I've never seen her show. She toured with two other mom comedians and they did a show and now she's doing her own show cuz you know logistic wise you can't you can't really have coordinate with other moms be on the same timeline. So she just went off and doing her own and she's touring now. Oh my God, that's so cool. I'm going to check her out. Awesome. Okay, well, this was lovely. It's so nice to meet you. I hope we do go to New York in the fall and then we can hang oh, out. It's time to do it, girl. Yeah, I need to like walk through Central Park. Are you bringing Milo? It'll probably just be my husband and I. Okay, that's going to yeah. be fun. Yeah. That, hit me up and I'll tell you all the places to go. You'll have an amazing time. Fall is the best time to go. That's what I figured. Okay, so tell everybody where they can find you online and anything that you want to plug. All my show live dates will, they're always going to be on my Instagram. So follow me on Instagram, momcomnyc. You can also find me on TikTok when I'm trying out material. It's also momcomnyc. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was so fun, Renee.